What is required to get into Hollywell School next door? Now, some of you parents know full well, don't you? You've been through the process. Well, you've got to first use the right process, apply in the right way, and then you've got to be living in the right area. What is required to get into Liverpool Football Club? Well, you need a lot of ability as a footballer and Jurgen Klopp to want you in his team. What's required to get a job? Well, usually there's a job description, you've got to fit it, then there's a process of application and selection and you've got to get through it. We live in a world full of requirements. Religions have requirements. Islam says God requires you to do the five pillars of Islam. But what does God really require of you? What does his message, the Bible, say he requires of you? Let's find out from Acts chapter 20 and verse 21. Would you turn, if you have a Bible, to Acts 20, verse 21? And if it helps you, there are page numbers and notes on the back of the pink sheet. Acts chapter 20, verse 21, the Apostle Paul is speaking and he says, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. That tells you what God requires from you. Now this is most obviously for you if you're not a Christian, because this is what God requires of you and this is how to become a Christian. But it's still for those of us who are Christians. It's still what God requires of us. So fellow Christians, listen, and then at the end we'll hear an application that's particularly for us. We're going to take the verse in three parts. Well, actually, we're going to look at three words in the verse and then ask, well, why was Paul telling this to Christians? So, first of all, three words. And the first is must. Now, if you're following the notes on here, I've got must with a question mark. And the question mark is because the word must isn't there in the original Greek this was written in. It just isn't there. The translation I've got is called the NIV, and this is typical NIV. It's been rather loose with the words, but it gets the meaning well. Because the verse has the sense of, this is something people need to be told, because they must do it. And that fits with the Bible's message of, that tells us we must do what's going to come up in the rest of the verse. If you just turn back one page to chapter 17, verse 30. Chapter 17, verse 30, the same Paul preaching in a different place says, In the past God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. The word must, strictly speaking, isn't there in the original, but the meaning is there, both in this verse, but also in the whole Bible. Must. I've also put must with a question mark on on this pink sheet, because people say, Can you really say must? Can God really say must? Can God require things from me? Most people say, no, he can't. It's our free choice how we live. Some people are religious, that's their choice. Some people choose whatever religion, that's their choice. Free world. No, you can't say must. It's up to you. Well, that doesn't make sense. Here's an example I hope will help to show you. It doesn't make sense. Children, listen, because this is rather strange. There is a small but growing movement in America called Sovereign Citizens. 
Now, sovereign citizens are people who say, I didn't vote for the government, I don't agree with the government, I'm a sovereign citizen, I am free to run my life my way. And you can look these people up online. In fact, you can see on YouTube dash cam from a policeman's... What are those little cameras? Dash cams, I suppose they're called, on, in his car. And he spotted someone without a proper number plate. And he pulls over the person without a proper number plate and says, Sir, can I see your driving licence? And the man says, I don't need a driving licence. I'm a sovereign citizen. I don't need to be licensed by the government. And the, and the policeman speaks politely to him. And through the dash cam, you see, round the other side of his car, a boy gets out who looks about 12, pulls out an automatic rifle and shoots the policeman dead. <laughs> what sort of country is America? Uh, now, that's a wacky movement in the USA, sovereign citizens. But it's also how most people think about God. I'm sovereign. It's my life. I don't need God to tell me what to do. He can't make requirements of me. But he can because he made you. Because he owns you. Because he rules the world. Because he is God. And that alone means you should be living with him as God. Which means he rules and you obey. It means he provides and you depend. It means he is good and you trust in his goodness. And that's how we all should live. But haven't. And so God commands us to repent. But it's not just a command. This must is not just a command. It's a must for other reasons as well. Let's take a verse from the Old Testament, which I think is going to come up there. Isaiah 45. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. It's a command, it's God asserting, I am God, therefore you must. But it's also an invitation. I'm inviting you to turn to me. I will welcome you if you turn to me. And it's a promise. If you turn to me, you will be saved, you will be safe. And it's a warning. Turn to me because you need to be saved. Because you won't be saved unless you turn to me. Turn to me because there is a hell you need to be saved from. It's a command. It's a promise. It's a welcome, an invitation, and a warning. We must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. So let's see what that means. Let's get to a second word in the verse. Not the second word, but the second word we're going to pick. Repentance. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to to God in repentance. Repent simply means turn. Children, think of soldiers in an army and they're marching and the officer shouts about turn and they have to turn. And that is what repentance means, turn. March the other way. Now we're not marching, no one's marching at the moment, but we are thinking, I hope you're thinking. And our thoughts need to turn. And we have attitudes, and they need to turn. And those thoughts and attitudes shape our will, which is how we make decisions. And those decisions need to turn. And that will controls our behaviour, what we do. And that needs to turn. Do you see there, you've had a little description of the human. What are we like? We are thoughts and attitudes, the Bible calls them heart. They need to turn. 
They control our will, how we make decisions, and that needs to turn. And if that turns, well, that controls our behaviour, and so that will turn as well. A wholesale turning, that's repentance. Now, when the soldiers are marching and they turn, they change direction. What direction change is needed in our thoughts, attitudes, will and behaviour? Well, verse 21 tells us, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance. Turn to God. Now, now this is a little phrase that, that, that summarises quite a few things. I'll just point out three of them to you. We must turn from our way to God's way. We've been going our way, doing our own thing, living as if God isn't there. Or if he is there, he's just to help us out occasionally when we're in trouble. But basically, we do our own thing. And we need to turn to going God's way, seeing he is God and obeying him matters. Another direction change. We need to turn from desiring sin to desiring Jesus. Now, when temptation comes, do you think... Oh, that looks good. That will be enjoyable. I'll have that. That's what we're like. Although actually, I reckon often we don't really think it through as explicitly as that and say that to ourselves. We just at a deep level desire it and do it. And repentance is, instead of being attracted to sin, being attracted to Jesus, saying, wow, he is wonderful. He's the one I need. Belonging to him, living his way, that's life. That's real life. Here's another direction change. From trusting self to trusting Jesus. Now, most people are trusting self in some way. It takes lots of different forms, but basically, trusting self is the normal human position, sinful human position. I'm a good person because I do... And then there's a whole load of answers, ways of finishing that sentence. I'll make my life a success because, again, a whole load of ways of finishing the sentence. I'm better than those waste of space people because. Most religion is just the same thing. It's a way of trusting self. I'll make myself good enough for God by going to church enough times, fasting at Ramadan, washing in the Ganges, and just for just about every religion, you could just finish the sentence another way. It's making yourself good enough for God by what you do. Repentance is seeing, I cannot make myself good enough for God. I cannot put myself right. I need Jesus to do it for me. Turning. Turning direction in at least three ways. And all of that turning, all of those direction changes, involve being humbled and being sorry. To admit that your way and your desires and your self-confidence have all been wrong, that's a humbling thing, and it takes humility. That's a thing you can't do without feeling some sorrow for what's gone before. That's getting life drastically wrong. That's reason to be humbled and sorry. Now, as I describe what this repentance is, I hope you can see, especially as you see it's turning what you trust in, I hope you can see it isn't making ourselves better. 
I hope you can see it's not a New Year's resolution. Turn over a new leaf, my life's going to go better. I hope you can see it's not, I'm earning something from God because of how I'm turning. I'll try to illustrate. Children, have you heard of the Zambezi? One of the world's great rivers and most famous for having a massive waterfall in it called the Victoria Falls. Now, you're riding, imagine this, you're riding on a tree trunk in the upper Zambezi. There you are sitting on this tree trunk, gripping onto this tree trunk so you don't tip in because maybe you're not such a good swimmer or not good enough for the strong current in the Zambezi and you're being swept along towards the Victoria Falls. Maybe you don't realise it's coming. Maybe you wonder what that strange roaring sound is. And a helicopter flies overhead and it lowers down a rope and a voice comes from the helicopter, let go of the tree trunk and grab the rope. And you say, no, 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 I'm quite happy. I'm enjoying the ride. And this tree trunk's keeping me safe. I don't want to tip in. No, it isn't, comes back the voice. Let go of the tree trunk and grab the rope. And eventually you do, and you lift it up to safety. And in the helicopter, the man there probably thinks, what were you doing? Why did you take so long to let go? But he doesn't say that, no. He gives you a hug, he wraps you in a blanket, gives you a hot drink and is pleased you're safe. And I'm sure you in the helicopter don't think, that was good of me, wasn't it? I did a good job of letting go of the tree trunk and grabbing the rope. What a good person I am. Now, I hope you can see the picture I'm trying to paint. The tree trunk is our sin, and it is sweeping us to judgment, to punishment, to hell. And the helicopter is Jesus. And we must turn from our sin to him. We must let go of our sin and grab him. But that's not us earning the rescue. You must do it, but you mustn't trust in how well you do it. You must repent, but you don't put your faith in your repentance. So that leads us on to our third word we're going to look at. We've had must, we've had repentance, and now we have faith. Let's read verse 21 again. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. What is faith? Both repentance and faith are simple words. Repentance means turn, but we had to look a bit more detail at that. And faith means believing. It's exactly the same word as believing. But again, like with repentance, we've got to look at a bit more detail about it. What's involved? To have faith in something or someone, first of all, you've got to know who or what you've got faith in. You've got to know something about them. And then you've got to believe that what you know is true. Not just knowing facts, but you've got to believe those facts are true. And then you've got to trust, in other words, rely on and be confident in the person or the thing that you're putting your trust, that you have faith in. Know and believe and trust. Now, It's all very well hearing these things put in the abstract like that, three parts, but it's maybe more helpful to have an example. Here's an example. Children, look what I've got here. Okay, you know what this is, don't you? Yeah? This is a very nice chocolate bar. I reckon Whisper is a particularly nice type of chocolate. Children, whoever is the... Don't run, please. Let's say under 15s. Whoever's the first one up here can have this. No strings attached. I'm not going to charge you 55p. You can just have it, if anyone's going to dare to get up and come and get it. 
I'm testing faith. (laughs) There we go. Someone did. Good. I was thinking it might end up being a demonstration of complete lack of faith. (laughs) I thought I'll then have to change my explanation according to whether faith was demonstrated or not. Now, what was going on there? That was a demonstration by Natasha of faith. And faith involves knowing. First of all, you've got to know what a chocolate bar is. Yeah, that you're getting something nice. Then you've got to know a bit about me. Am I, am I serious about this? Or am I just having a joke? And then you've got to believe. You've got to believe the chocolate bar is worth having. And in particular, it's worth the embarrassment and nerves of getting up in front of all these people. Isn't that true? You've got to, you've got to think it is worth the embarrassment and the nerves of getting up in front of everyone. You've got to believe certain things. But then you've got to trust. Trust that I'm not messing you about. You're not going to get to the front and I'm going to say, not really. did you really think I'd give you that? Go back to your seat. You've got to trust. Do you see? Knowing, believing and trusting. I hope you see the parallel with faith in Jesus. You've got to know something about it. How, you can, trust, how can you trust someone you know nothing about? You've got to believe it's true and believe what he offers is worth having. And you've got to believe, especially young people at school, let me say this to you, you've got to believe it's worth the embarrassment and nerves of what others will think of you. Believe it's worth it. Now you've got to trust him. When he says he will forgive, when he says he will save, when he says he will change your life, he'll do it. And you trust him. Now, what was Natasha trusting? What did she have faith in? Not the chocolate bar, but me, wasn't it? The thing she received was the chocolate bar, but by trusting me. And faith is in not a thing called the gospel, or salvation, or even forgiveness, or even a new heart. It's in a person, Jesus, who gives those things. Yes, you receive the things, you actually also receive him. But the faith is in a person, him. There it is in verse 21. We must have faith in our Lord Jesus. Now, whenever you have faith in something, you have to focus on the thing you have faith in. The first time I ever abseiled was down a cliff in Cornwall, and it was very big. I have in my mind it was 200 feet, but I don't know if that's realistic. It it was certainly a, a big cliff, and I was pretty nervous. What did I do about that? Did I look inside myself and say, do I have faith I can do this? Am I feeling brave enough to do it? Now, that would be hopeless. I looked at the rope. It looks good, new, and in decent condition. I looked at the anchor point in the top of the cliff. Well, it's anchored in several places. Even if one goes, another will hold me. I looked at the harness and the way that it was attached to me. All looked good. Over the cliff I went. Focus on the object of faith, the thing or the person you're trusting in. Don't focus on yourself. Do I have faith? Focus on Jesus. Can he be trusted? Focus on his love. He died for people he didn't need, but they needed him. He died for enemies, sinners who didn't deserve him. Focus on his power. His life wasn't just ripped out of his hands. He laid it down purposefully. Focus on his resurrection and the many evidences that it is true. Focus on his fulfilment of prophecies written hundreds of years before him and fulfilled by him. Focus on his teaching, which still today has that note of authority. It's so demanding and yet so appealing. 
focus on his claims that he would have a kingdom across the world, that must have seemed ridiculous. And it's happening. And it's happened 2,000 years later. Focus on his gospel. It's so deep. It's so coherent. And yet it's so simple. It humbles you and yet lifts you up. Wow, this isn't just human. Focus on Jesus because your faith needs to be in him as a person, not just in a system and not in your reaction to him. Now, I hope it's clear from what you've heard that repentance of faith are like two sides of a coin. With a coin, you have two sides, don't you? Heads and tails. Now, heads are not tails and tails are not heads. They're different. But you'll never get heads without tails or tails without heads. They always go together. And repentance and faith are not the same thing, but they will always go together. You cannot turn to God unless you're trusting him. And if you're trusting him, well, you will turn to him. I think that will be shown by another example. Children, it's holiday time coming up. Imagine you're on holiday in a place near some big cliffs. And for some crazy reason, your family go for a nighttime walk near the cliffs. And you get out of the car, and it's pitch black. And you just, oh, it's nice to be out of the car, and you just run. And you're running towards the cliffs, but it's dark, and you don't know. And what do your dad and your mum do? Shout, stop! Now turn round, follow my voice and come back. And that is a picture of repentance. Stopping, turning back, following the voice of God, back to him. But you will only stop and turn back if you trust them, if you believe them. You're out enjoying yourself, running around in the dark. That's nice and fun, isn't it? You'll only stop and turn if you trust them. And if you trust them, you certainly will stop and turn back and not carry on headlong over the cliff. That's repentance and faith. You'll only turn to God if you trust his promise of rescue. What's the point of turning from your sin which you enjoy? Unless you believe him, there's a danger ahead and there's a rescue that's possible. And if you trust, if you trust that Jesus is the saviour you need, yes, you will turn. So are you still heading towards the cliff edge? Are you still heading towards that cliff that, that drops you into hell? Are you still running in the dark and you don't know when you'll go over that edge, but you just like going your way? Listen to the voice of God. Stop. Turn. And follow his voice back to him. We've had three words from verse 21. Must repentance and faith. But I want to end with a question. And the question is, why was this told to Christians? You see, in chapter 20, I hope you noticed as it was read to us, that the Apostle Paul was speaking to Christians. In fact, he'd collected together the church leaders. And he's speaking to the church leaders and he tells them about repentance and faith. Why? Well, he's going to leave them. And he wants them to keep going. And so he needs to remind them about repentance and faith. They need the reminder to keep them going. They actually need the reminder if the church is going to keep going, but that's another subject we haven't got time for now. The church needs to keep hold of repentance and faith. But let's think about them, these Christians. Paul loves them. 
He warns them, as we read, that some of them are in danger of going wrong and he wants to safeguard them. How's he going to keep them going? Well, he can't, God will. But he needs to remind them of repentance and faith. Repentance. In 1518, a German monk called Martin Luther hammered to the church door in the castle of Wittenberg what were called 95 theses, 95 statements for the church to think about. And it's generally reckoned that sparked what's now called the Reformation. That's a very simplistic way of thinking about it. But anyway, very famous event. And the first of his 95 theses was this. When Jesus said repent, he meant that believers should live a whole life of repenting. That's interesting, isn't it? The Reformation... Well, it didn't really start with this, but there, right near the top, is this. When Jesus said repent, he meant that believers should live a whole life of repenting. Every time we sin, we are turning away from God, and we need to turn back to him. And we keep needing to repent. Every time we sin, we're turning away from God, and we keep needing to turn back. And we need to admit specific sins to God. And we need to name them. And we need to be sorry for them. And we need to turn away from them. When did you, fellow Christian, when did you last repent? Not just a general vague idea that I'm generally sorry for my sins and I say sorry for sins most days, but specifically recognising you turned from God as you took hold of a sin and you need to admit it, name it and turn back. You see, the danger is in the Christian life we start to think, I'm doing fairly well, I'm not falling for really bad sins, I'm keeping up what's expected of me, I'm involved in church. So I'll turn a blind eye to sins that don't make me feel or look too bad. That's a failure to repent. However little the sin might be in your eyes, however much you think, but generally I'm doing okay. If you're turning a blind eye to it and letting it continue, that's a failure to repent. I don't mean if you're falling for it. That's a different matter. I mean if you're turning a blind eye to it and saying, well, just let that one go. If you will repent of every sin except your favourite, if you sin... If you'll repent of every sin except one that others won't notice, that's not repentance. You're not turning from sin to God. You're just, you're just giving up some sins that don't matter so much to you. Fellow Christian, when did you last repent? Are there sins you are not repenting of? If so, you are not repenting, full stop. Do you realise that? If there are sins you are not repenting of, I'll turn from all but not that one, you are not repenting, full stop. You cannot have confidence you're a Christian until you repent. That is true however many years you've been known as a Christian. To keep going, we need to repent and have faith. Repentance and faith. Now, now, Christian brothers and sisters, we all know it's all about faith, don't we? It's even called the Christian faith. It's all about faith. But 
what is it that makes you feel secure? What is it that gives you the feeling that you'll be all right when God examines you? I don't mean what's your answer if another Christian asks you a bit of theology. I mean what from day to day gives you the feeling that when the day comes to appear before God, it will go all right with you. So easily it becomes, well, I've been a Christian for this number of years. Well, I've served in the church in so many ways. Everyone knows me. I'm a a committed Christian. I'm a spiritual person. And do you see, so easily the focus becomes self, not Jesus. In practice, faith becomes in self, not in Jesus. Don't ask yourself what you would answer in theory when someone asks you some doctrine. Ask yourself, what am I secure about? What is my confidence in, in practice? Check yourself. Is your faith still in Jesus? The way to keep going in the Christian life is the way you started the Christian life. The thing God required of you then is the thing he requires of you now. Repentance and faith. What does God require of you? Let's read verse 21 one more time. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. It's a command and an invitation and a promise and a warning. So are you repenting? And is your faith in the Lord Jesus now? 